Welcome to the Austin Forum Upload, the podcast of the Austin Forum on technology and society. Every episode, we upload for you the expertise, insights, and opinions of thought leaders, innovators, and creators on topics at the intersection of technology and society. We'll cover pervasive and emerging technologies that are influencing and impacting our business, education, governments, research, and culture. I'm Jay. I'm Jessica. And I'm John. And we're the co-producers of the Austin Forum Upload. Welcome to the Austin Forum Upload. We're very excited today to be discussing the topic of technology and spirituality. And I have Jessica Sager, the Managing Director of the Austin Forum with me here today. Hello, hello. And we are very pleased to bring to the show Rabbi Neil Blumoff. Welcome to the Austin Forum Upload. It's my pleasure to be here, Jay and Jessica. Thank you so very much. Uh, thank, thank you, you so much for joining for us. We, Jessica and I have been excited about this topic for a long time. And, you know, Neil, I've communicated with you long before the pandemic and just we just couldn't quite seem to close it. But during the pandemic, it seemed that this is an even more relevant topic. And, you know, I, we saw during the, the months preceding this that, you know, there were questions about congregating in person at places of worship and things like that. And so to Jessica and I, it seemed like, well, this topic, we really got to cover this now. So thanks for making time for us today. We're, we're super excited about this. It's kind of meant to be, right? All the moments that led from then lead to now. So we can speak with a little bit of urgency as well about the, uh, the confluence between spirituality and technology and see what we're really talking about. Absolutely. So this is, Jay, I don't know if you realize this, this is my first time fully being a part of the Austin Forum Upload. I maybe have had some cameos on some other ones, but this is the first time as a co-presenter and facilitator. And I'm really excited about this because sort of the dynamic between Jay and myself, Rabbi Blumoff, is for the Austin Forum on Technology and Society. Jay brings the technology and I bring the and society part because my background is not as a technologist. It is definitely the community piece. And so I'm also excited about the dynamic of the conversation between the three of us because, you know, if we look at it, the continuum of having a rabbi on one side and a technologist on the other, Jessica sort of in the middle talking both the ways, uh, I think it's going to pro provide a lot of insights. I, my, my thought is providing a lot of insight and value to the people who listen. So let's talk about the definition of spirituality first. How do you define that? What does that mean? Because I think it can mean so many things to so many different people. So I'll let it see who raises their, their proverbial hand first. Rabbi Blumoff. Thanks. And I would, I appreciate being here. And I think the, the juxtaposition of these two concepts of these two ideas is wonderful. Like technology or the way that I think about technology, spirituality for me is a, is a methodology of aspiration. It's a way of recognizing, it's a, it's a way of dreaming. It's a way of saying, here I am in the world, I can feel myself grounded in the world, and yet what are the possibilities that I have in the world? And I think technology can ask those very same questions of not just efficiency and not just a sense of uh, ease or better, but a sense of uh, greater good. So to me, spirituality intersects with those ideas of recognizing that we're not just you know, a package of meat, but we're a recognition of something bigger than ourselves. And how do I interact with the environment that I'm in and the people uh, who I'm with? 
the word spirituality, I, you know, I'm probably the worst person in the world to define it, but what it, but I'm always fascinated by how others define it. And, and in so listening to them, trying to think about what it means to me. So I, I really appreciated Neil's definition there. And I'm already trying to integrate that into mine. As I said, in the notes that we all had before we started the podcast today, and I explained to, to Neil, I said, I, I'm not a religious person. And yet I have this feeling that it is right to be good to each other. It is right to treat each other well. It is right to uh, take care of each other and be kind and be generous and such. And, you know, I know that there's some evolutionary psychologists that would say, Jay, you have a PhD in astrophysics. You're a scientist. You should understand that that's part of your uh, species preservation instinct and some other evolutionary psychology and, and such. And, and I, I guess the scientists in me can hear that, but there's a part of me that just as much as, as I'm a, a scientist and a technologist by training, there's a part of me that feels something that I, I just feel there is this greater reason to be good, this greater reason to treat each other with love and respect and kindness and so I, I'd never really thought until, you know, leading up to this podcast, can technology help me do that in some ways? And then I thought, well, it kind of does. I, I used my iPhone for a little beginning of the day journal of gratitude each day. And I, I use it to track some habits. Like, am I, am I doing something good for the world each day? And I thought, well, if, if that is my spirituality, then I guess maybe I'm using technology and maybe I, I have a sense of spirituality and I'm using technology to sort of enhance it. Gee, I, I like that. To me, then, the idea that we're thinking of is perhaps the walk that we all take towards the ineffable, towards that what is possible. And we recognize that we never get there. It's always a matter of becoming. So technology are the shoes that we wear or the devices that we use to get us to that place, that question of purpose and that grand sense of why I'm here on this earth in the first place. Yeah. When I think about them, and as you're talking, Rabbi Blumhoff, it, you know, it's both of them are a way of looking at the mystery of life. And, you know, our eyes can only perceive this much of the, you know, I'm putting my hand very close together, such a small perspective part of the light spectrum. Our brain can only, can, is phenomenal, but can only compute so much. Like there's so much that there's so much mystery and then there's one perspective of being in the mystery and how do we understand it through trying to understand laws of nature, religion, and, or how do we understand it through laws of gravity and science, but it's how do we relate to this sense of, of unknowingness and what is our relationship to it? I love, the, I love the journey to the ineffable. Thanks. Now, Jay, let me ask you a question. I've, I, my phone just broke. So I just got a new phone and it had been, <laughs> it had been a bit, it had been a little while. So I've been in this sort of technological, can I say hell on the podcast? Is that all right? <laughs> it is fine, yes. <laughs> Just joking. I've, I've been in this technological hell trying to upgrade and I had the, the cloud and this and I don't know what I was doing. But here's the thing. Do you or Jessica, do you do you all have that Fitbit or do you guys monitor your heart rates or do you get your blood and you kind of know what's going on? So you sort of physically take care of yourself. You, you have that all archived and you can look and take, keep track of it. Jay, you look like you do, and Jessica, you look like you do. Is that correct? Jay, much more than me, but yes, I do. I have a, I have a heart rate one I really love, so I, check my heart rate. I, I would say 
I am much better than Jessica at using all of these technology tools to monitor those things. And Jessica is much better than me at actually going out and taking care of her health and running <laughs> and all that stuff. So let me ask you a question then, Jay and, and Jessica. Do you have the same thing for your spirit? Do you mm. have a joyometer? Do you have a, uh, a sense of wellness-ometer that you keep that's not just about, you know, you know what your blood flow is or what your... BI, uh, you know, your body mass index, your BMI is, or do you have something for your SMI, your spiritual spirituality mass index, anything like that, that you can, can equate to a, a technological uh, tool or device? No, but that would, I think the three of us should come up with that and sell it for lots of money. Just <laughs> well, Jessica, I, I was thinking in a way you sort of do. I mean, you what? told me that you journal each night, right? I do. I do have a little, yeah. Do, do you go back and read things in your journal and measure whether you're, there's a spiritual mm, progression or not? Not, not as it is right now. I've had journaling practices. Sometimes some of them actually for this, you can do it online and it'll, it'll analyze the language you use of like how positive it was or how negative it was, how future centered or past centered. Um, the piece that you're talking about are like, I keep, I keep different lists. I keep lists of blessings and appreciations and things I'm looking forward to. Um, do I, some, actually I have been working on sort of like reflecting back to see things being fulfilled. So, but I, I don't know that we have explicitly as much as what you're at, what it sort of sounds like you're hinting at Rabbi Blumoff of, uh, Jay does Jay, yeah, Jay mine's, a, mine's a hard no, by the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just looking for, you know, I was saying, well, Jessica may, but I'm I'm a hard no on that. I don't have anything I use, I think, Neil, to to measure my progress that way. So why do you use the physical stuff? What what do you I mean, let's assume you use it. What's it for? That's probably a two-part question. And one part I'm sure relates to where you're headed with this. Uh you take measurements of things that you want to improve. And you also take measurements of things that you have some knowledge of how to measure, right? So there's probably lots of things about my life that I wish I could measure, but I may not have some knowledge or expertise with it. Um, and, and certainly even various physical devices only give you a partial picture, right? Like I would love to have a blood chem profile each day and I'd love to have a full 3D body scan that is uh, does not create any issues with... Uh, uh, ionizing radiation or anything like that each day. But I, I use the devices that I have to measure the parameters that I can. And maybe it's just that in this dimension, and I, I don't have the tools. And it, would it not be an aspiration to make your life better or healthier or, or somehow more pleasurable? Absolutely. Yeah. So if we had the tools, I would want to use that for the spiritual dimension as well. You know, if there was more contemplation or more journaling or more prayer that would allow the oxygen flow in my brain to go or my heart to be a more healthy uh, um, setting, these would be things that would be of interest to me. And I think that we do have technologies in spirituality is, uh, is, is I think, um, something that we can explore about what that can be. So on one hand, we can talk about the technologies that we do have in this world and how they can aid us in some sort of mystery, as Jessica says, of spirituality. But we can also look at spirituality as the technology that helps us be more whole or, or uh, grateful 
about the things that we um, encounter as difficult as they may be. I'm happy to go wherever you wanna go. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna think I'm gonna try to ask you a few high level questions here that I was thinking about before this podcast. And, and I think that this lead, it follows from what you're saying but it will lead us towards the next part. So as I was, I was walking outside today, beautiful day and I was thinking about this podcast. I thought, you know, I bet our listeners would wanna know some Neil's answers to some basic questions like, um, can technology uh, sustain my spirituality? Can technology help me rediscover my spiritual or discover or rediscover my spirituality? Does technology have any negative uh, impacts on the way that I feel my spirituality? And I thought those were kind of three of the big, the big questions. What do you what do you think about each of those? Sustaining it, finding it, or rediscovering it, and are there any sort of negative impacts in using it? Great, thank you very much. I think technology can be an incredible ally in helping us discover our spirituality. I think that it's an open world, it's an uncharted world. In many ways, it's an unexplored world. And we're seeing that certainly in the last bit of time for us to freshly see how technology can be uh, an aid to these larger questions of spirituality. Sustaining, I'm, I would say no because the only thing that can sustain our spirituality is us. Just like, you know, I can, I can read a great book about a diet or about a particular management style, but ultimately it's gotta come from within. It's gotta come from a place that I would say is um, my motivation to do the work. So to me, sustaining spirituality is doing the work that is a more of an internal or shared, that is independent to a degree of technology. Technology is a tool. And the third idea, I know I took your questions in a different order, but just the, the other idea too, of can there be negative? Sure, I mean, you can immerse oneself. You know, it's interesting if, you know, I'll talk just for a moment and this might be a little wonky for people, but we have, uh, Jessica, help me out if I, if I stumble on this a little bit, but we have in the fall, these big holidays that are called the high holy days. And, you know, it's a, it's a time where people are reawakened to their, they're magnetized back to a synagogue and many synagogues uh, are built, their sanctuaries are built to accommodate people for these three days a year, which is interesting, which is a very strange way of thinking about it. However, this year, as you know, that there weren't, there weren't these services, there weren't, uh, these doors weren't open. So for a few weeks, I actually went down the road quite a bit to constructing uh, an, an AR, uh, setting of our of our synagogue, hoping that people would have an online experience and think that they were in our sanctuary and doing the things that would be they would be accustomed to doing. Ultimately, didn't get to where it was going because I guess the startup seed money didn't 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 come through. But uh, but the idea is that I was thinking that I wanted to sort of create that. But I think there's a danger with that. Just to answer your question, because you can get immersed in the things uh, that are on your screen, which is in itself is good, but I've seen it even in my own world that you sacrifice even uh, relationships that are still had face-to-face. -face. And while there are tremendous advantages of, in, of interacting like we're doing now and of interacting with people from around the world instantaneously, there's still a value about um, sustaining a sense of spirituality 
that's your question, uh, and not trading my life that I live for the life that I want on screen or the life that I propose on screen. Neither of us, or none of us, I don't think, and I know this is a podcast, so you're not gonna use this, but none of us uh, have virtual backgrounds on right now, right? It's right. interesting, mm -hmm. actually. This is one of the few meetings where somebody doesn't have that, and we are showing what we wanna show. Jay, I totally wanna to be in your house right now, <laughs> whatever's behind you, whatever's <laughs> going on there. I want people desperately to think that I read books. So I've got like, all these books behind me, but in, I am wearing pants too. But the, the idea is that we sort of style ourselves in a particular way, but then we turn the screen off eventually and we still have to live in the world that we're in. And I think the negative factor of technology could be that we devalue that real world that we still live in. It's funny you bring that up about the virtual backgrounds. Cause you're right. I'm on a lot of zoom sessions and, um, a lot of them, people use virtual backgrounds and I don't find any value in the virtual backgrounds anymore. Not, not even a bit. And I, I want people, well, I, I'm pretty neat. I have a little OCD, so I'm pretty neat. So I never have to really clean up the place very much. So I, I'm happy for them to see it. And it really did just work out that my real background has books and booze and games. And if you look up here, Thor's hammer. So it's just got all the right things in it anyway. And of course, <laughs> You can guess which one of those things everybody notices in my, my virtual meetings. And so we do tend to bond over whiskey for a few minutes at the beginning of a... Well, if you are kind of blocking the books and you're, you're kind of <laughs> leading everybody's eyes towards the booze, Jay. I'm just telling you, it just kind of works out. It's all the setup. Right. But it seems then that I, can make a, I could make an inference about your life. And Jessica, I'd love to hear about you know, your thoughts too. But it looks like you're pretty balanced, right? You've got your books, booze, and board games sort of all in a row behind you. And you can make a great statement if, if, if one is looking to see what kind of person is Jay when he's showing us when he's not preparing to showing us who he is. There's, there's a real sense of that. And there's a real sense of intimacy actually on technology that I can have with you in this moment because I see much more than you know, your voice on the phone or hear just more the voice on the phone or uh, I, I can take your cues uh, from that which is in your screen. So Jessica, your, yours is a lot different. My house is not as neat, so I do not show as much, but I have this lovely piece of art that my friend painted. Uh, but I think it's an interesting piece that you bring up. It, it, um, yeah, the, I had gone to, and this might be too much of a tangent, but it was about the, like, the negative impact or like how, how we can get too immersed. And I was thinking last night, and this might be, again, Jay, for, you can realign me if this is sort of a skew for the AF um, audience. But I was curious, technology has such an is such an opportunity, but it can also be such a tower of Babel of, oh, look what I can create. Like, look how close, like, why do I even need anything else? I can create everything on my own. You know, I can create whole worlds now in ways that we couldn't make. And I was just sort of thinking about like, that is such an interesting perspective in terms of technology and spirituality of, of, of that, like, you know, the, the hubris that comes with technology right now that we're, I think we're seeing happen in so many different ways. That was one of the reasons why we ended up also not pursuing that uh, uh, AR re, uh, sense of the sanctuary because it was a little much for people and it was very exciting to think about. Uh, but it ultimately, 
is that the experience we want people to have on one of the holiest days of the year? And the, and the answer was, we don't necessarily this year want people to have a tour of the sacred space when they should be touring their internal sacred space, mm -hmm. the wilderness of their soul, as opposed to, oh, I remember where I used to sit. That's, it's a very different baseline of, of engagement. Well, let me ask you both a question um, in terms of how you express your spirituality. Is it, is it the easy question? Is it augmented by doing so with other people, by coming together with other people? Do you, do you find you, or is, do you find that you are, you can strengthen your spirituality more alone or with other people? Well, Je well, Jay, I'm going to just maybe set up Jessica, if you don't mind, you know, there's an old saying that says, if you have two Jews in a zoom room, you <laughs> automatically have three opinions. <laughs> I'm just letting you know. So very true. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing your, th you two's three opinions on this. <laughs> I would say it depends on the person though. I mean, to say that all people would could potentially augment my spirituality, maybe in sort of the sense of um, lessons that I can have opportunity to practice more compassion, uh, regardless, depending on the person. I don't, I think, I think it's, I think, I don't, I don't know that I have an answer of like, absolutely yes or absolutely no. Lately, my reflection, you know, at this point in the pandemic, and especially lately has been that I've gone from like, I'm happy being I'm like good with being alone to like, actually, I'm really enjoying this like alone space and like communing with my thoughts and sort of like reflecting on everything in a much more meaningful way, even most recently. So, so very topically, just recently been thinking about like my spirituality can, can be, doesn't necessarily, isn't, it doesn't depend on other people. However, at different points in my journey, absolutely. If I hadn't had various spiritual mentors in my life, I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at. I mean, it, that, that absolutely is true. I think it's both and. I think there are moments where, and certainly the religious community that I, that I lead is about community. It's about being together. There are certain things that you do together. And to speak frankly, there are certain times where I also need to recharge myself and to find my own inspirations outside of the fray of, uh, of of uh, the responsibilities that I would have also. So whether I'm an introverted extrovert or an extroverted introvert, the idea is I actually need that balance. I need the books and the booze as it were, Jay, to be <laughs> able to, uh, to make it work. So, you know, I, I immerse myself totally in uh, communal settings, trying to help very deeply listen to what people actually need as opposed to what I want, what I'm supposed to give them. And at the same time, I also need my time to recharge, whether through reading or through hiking or through just contemplation. And this gets, that was my setup question because both of you said there are times where the other people, the presence of other people, the congregation with other people, you also mentioned the high holidays and such that I assume in these events, your, your spirituality is, is sustained and, and maybe even magnified through this bringing of people together. Uh, uh, Neil, obviously, I'm sure many people come to you for comfort and to uh, talk about their spirituality and, and help enhance it. And, you know, Jessica would probably never put herself in, in a role like that, but I, I know that she has that 
effect on people, that she is very calming. She, she can help people be very thoughtful about what's important in their lives and what's important to them. And so the technology role seems kind of clear to me in hindsight, right? I mean, at the very least, when you need other people or when you are benefited from sharing your spirituality with other people or having them mentor you about spirituality or any other role that a person plays in enhancing enhancing or strengthening your spirituality, technology seems like it's this, it can be a very valuable tool for that. I mean, it'd be great if we could always all come together in person, but is that the most important part or is it that you're getting the communication with the other person and the sharing? And so for example, seeing you two on the screen, yes, I'd rather be in that very cozy looking office you have there, Neil, but I still feel warmer for seeing you both on the screen and having this conversation and technology is enabling that. I'm with you. And I would think that certainly technology and I'm, I'm all for technology. Uh, and uh, I'm gonna just tell you two stories, I think if that's all right, just in terms of, of uh, when the community gets together, uh, it had been in the before times where in fact, you know, our fancy gadgets, we actually turn them off and we don't use them. So to be able to be on a, a technological platform, whether Zoom or anything else, is a concession that has been made in this time that will be thought of carefully and how to go forward. And Jay, I think your points are well taken. However, somebody who might spend 20, 30, 40, 50 hours a week in Zoom calls then to be able to sort of be demanded that their spiritual time is also on the same platform that they use all the rest of the time is, is a hard sell. And I've certainly seen that in myself. The second thing I just want to say regarding that is I do teach a lot online and I try very, very hard to make community intentionally as opposed to just, you know, showing the best PowerPoints of my life. Right. So the idea is that, you know, I, I take a lot of time to do singing and, sort of a non-obvious learning that we can get into in another podcast or whatever. But lately, one of the students, and they're very intense studies about tradition and meaning and existence and all that stuff. I got an email, technology, big fan, got an email from one of my students who said, hey, Rabbi, this has been really great. It would be great to meet you one day. I've never met you. Are, you know, I see what you presenting. I see the thing you got going on in your screen every week, but who are you? And I would like to meet you before, you know, we continue. And that was an interesting kind of call because I thought it was so the grooviest, right? That we're doing our thing. And, and at the same time, there's a wall, there's, there's, there's a block that doesn't get us down the road even more that somehow we haven't figured out. And I'm happy to have that conversation about us being in person, which is a value add above and beyond even seeing you in technology. It's interesting. That's a, uh, that second story is really interesting. And I'm, I'm thinking about the relationships, uh, work and, and family and friends in my life. And in some relationships, I really feel that um, lack of in-person despite being on Zoom with them all the time. But I have noticed that on some, and it probably depends on the nature of the relationship and how long I've known them, that I've started to forget how long it's been since I've seen them in person, probably more of the work relationship types than the in-person ones. But um, we hired a new team member, Jessica and I, on, on some projects that we're doing and uh, was on Zoom with her the other day. And it dawned on me during the Zoom call, I've never actually met this person in person. And yet I feel like 
she's absolutely part of the team. You know, we, we make sure that at least once a week we're on zoom with each other where we're just drinking a glass of whiskey, the whole team, uh, and, and not, uh, talking about work really just catching up with each other. It's called check-in and chat, just making sure that we're seeing each other's faces, um, uh, and just checking on each other. And it turns out that I guess for certain relationships, that's worked for me almost well enough, but it is the case that I've, I haven't ever met her in person. And so maybe I'd feel differently, like there was a, a wall, or maybe if it was the relationship that you had with this student who's trying, you're a mentor to this person, you're a, a spiritual advisor, there maybe certain relationships, the difference between online and in person is even greater than it is for, you know, work relationships and such. I, you know, another point that I just was thought was interesting, Jay, the assumption that if you're in the community kind of doing the thing and getting the thing and being in the thing, that you're magnifying your own sense of spirituality and purpose. And in fact, what I try to do, and it's maybe it sounds counterintuitive, is to actually empty myself out. There's a whole, there's a whole mystical idea of actually uh, contracting oneself. In, in Hebrew, it's called simsum, is to actually make space, make greater space for other people. And you know, there's, there's an art of listening, there's an art of spiritual care. And I just, that's actually where I go. So in many ways, I don't feel like I crushed it, like on a, on a Sabbath or something. I actually feel very, not depleted, but I feel very empty in, in a good way that I was able to, uh, to, to help others uh, move along where they needed to go or to be present in the way that they needed to be. And I, you know, I'm also, we've made a huge pivot in my community, embracing technology in order to stay functional uh, in, our, in, our, in our services. And I will tell you that God willing, can I say that on a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> God, will, God willing that, you know, in the, in the times post uh, COVID, whatever that looks like, whatever that is, we're not going back. We're not pretending that this didn't happen. So the relationship, the, the sense of deep uh, conversation that spirituality and technology will have is something that's top of mind for me in order to be able to present to people in person, but also to have an authentic experience with the people with whom I've invested for these many, many months who are part of our community in many ways, not even in our, not even in Austin, who are in Florida, who are in California, who are in New York or Wisconsin or Boston, who all come because they have a value add. I don't wanna leave those people alone. I don't wanna say, well, that was strange. Have a good life. Thank you so much, right? I want to say there's a way for us to continue to have this relationship, whether it's integrated in that in-person thing or whether it's wholly separate. And there's a way to continue the work that we're doing even on technology, even when um, circumstances change. I think one of the things that I'm interested to talk about too is for me, the, the, the potential of spirituality is, is this sense of meaning, right? Like, and granted I'm aware, like I am making this sense of meaning up, but I think it can be important when I, again, imagining sort of the audience of, might be listening who are very into technology and, you know, like, oh, I'm going to figure this out and, or, you know, this gadget or this thing, my experience is 
at some point you'll hit the wall or your well, your well will be dry. And you're like, wait, all of, all of these solutions I thought I could come up with this data. I thought I could get all of this. There's still a gap. Like it's still that there's, you know, Eastern mysticism, there's a hungry ghost. Like it's just never full. And so to those who are, who sort of think that they're not spiritual, because I think Jay is a perfect example. I think prior to this conversation, and I don't know where Jay is right now, you know, it's like, I'm not spiritual. Like I have meaning and I'm a good, Jay's an amazing person, but I'm not this. I'm so curious, Rabbi Blumhoff, you know, like, how do we, how would you like create, how would you define it or invite people in? Because I feel like that's where the opportunity is when you're looking for, when you're in this, in this human quest for meaning, and then you're getting to these places where everything outside like is no longer doing it. I don't know what the exact question is. Like, how do you invite them in? What would you say? What would be the invitation without it being like, come, you know, get on the bima, worship this, blah, blah, blah. What would be the oh, Right. And I think that's a great question. And thank you for reminding me to pick up something Jay had said earlier. I don't think spirituality and technology are mutually exclusive at all. I don't think a scientific mindset or Jay, you studied something interesting, astrophysics, you said. Mm -hmm. So that I think is just a next door neighbor of the spiritual, of the metaphysical, of the understanding of these, we're all, we're all trying to figure out the same questions. And I think it gets stymied because of some of our baggage or background of what you tried to elide earlier, Jay, which is the religious stuff. And we're, this is a podcast about spirituality. It's not about my religion. It's not about, and the idea here is that I think if there's a sense of wonder then those are the questions that are presenting. When you're in your at, when you're on your phone in the mornings doing your journaling, it would be interesting to sort of see what topics and themes uh, arise. Your definition of saying I'm not spiritual, but I, I we do good and we're doing good for each other, you know, as much as we can appreciate that, good is not a term of spirituality. Good is a term of religion. You know, good and bad, or moral and immoral. Those are all sort of uh, in various uh, systems of, of what is, and that's great. I'm not arguing that you shouldn't do those things. To me, spirituality is not, I do good, so I'm good, or I try to do good and I'm good. But the idea of, you know, what questions do I have? And that curiosity that Jessica was speaking of is, if I can just do this some more, I can figure this out and get more faster and get better and get the next generation of this and that, that's to me what how spirituality has uh, unfolded uh, from generation to generation as well. There are certain throwbacks, for example, in the Jewish tradition, if I can use this for a moment, you know, there's a, there's a scroll we've been using for thousands of years. You know, we do know how to use print. You know, we do have a 3D <laughs> printer. We, know that we believe in that. But we also believe that somebody can have the intention to handwrite with a bird with a feather and homemade ink uh, something that is precious to us and that we revere. So just because new options exist doesn't mean that we throw them over. Somewhere in that house, Jay, there's a comedy, Commodore 64, somewhere in there. There's <laughs> something cool in there, like an Apple IIe, maybe a Lisa, who knows what's in there. No, I'm definitely, I'm not religious about keeping old technology. I promise that I'm actually <laughs> limited space I, the technology ages out, I replace it with, and there may be some nostalgia, there may be some fondness, but there's no space for it. I'm just going to give you two words, man. I'm going to give you Thor's hammer. 
That's all I'm giving you. Yeah. Well, well, one word that you said that I really like, Rabbi Blumoff, um, that I think goes well is just an interesting word is the word of wonder. Like that in one's relationship to wonder of like, do I want to like rein it in and, and grab it? Or like, can I experience wonder? And then in thinking of it from the technology standpoint, and this would have been a really interesting conversation also if we had brought like Whirly in, who is going to be joining the board, um, who is, how would a, this expert in, in quantum computing and just the whole world of, of quantum technologies also brings that sense of wonder because it's like, oh, well, we've been living in this very linear world now. And now it's like everything at once, <laughs> you don't know. And so I just was sort of, I really liked when you bring in the sense of wonder and that can fit in. Well, I, I, of course, liked how you tied it into astronomy. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, on the one hand, astronomers like to think uh, we're the we're the most traditional scientists of them all. We look at physics and the origin of the universe and the Big Bang and how all the particles, uh, uh, how all the, the the material objects, the atoms and molecules, how they all came to be and their the forces that govern their interaction. Um, on the other hand, it all starts in astronomy from asking the big questions. Who are we? How did we get here? How did we get to this point? Where is it all going next? Much of cosmology in particular is about those kinds of questions. And so in that sense, I've probably, I, I would probably acknowledge being spiritual. And I, I liked your, um, I liked your distinction between religion and, and spirituality. I guess what I've always said is I might be spiritual I'm definitely not formally religious, but I definitely have beliefs on, on right and wrong and, and good and evil. Unfortunately, as a, as a geek, I probably related it mostly to the religion of the force in Star Wars or something like that until Lucas messed it up with episodes one through three and the midichlorians and the blood and stuff like that. But just the, the more spiritual force of, of the original three episodes, you know, seem to, to have some resonance of, you know, there's this, energy of all things combined or something. And sort of, I related that as they should all be good to each other and um, keep the balance and make sure that we don't, you know, destroy everything for, for our own species and for others. Well, I think that's certainly um, a value and should be, and there's a reason why those Star Wars movies four, five, and six, as they're known now, were so deeply uh, impressionable. Sounds like on you and on me as well. And I think that those ideas of whether it's Star Wars or Star Trek or Lord of the Rings or whatever we might be doing that, that, that blends this idea of technology or science and wonder or spirituality, that sense of creativity, that sense of, of, of curiosity is exactly that. And again, we, we freight our terms with uh, accretions from our culture and that's just inevitable. But I think if we can have seem soon, if we can pull ourselves away from that, we can realize that I think all of us are, if you will, spiritual or curious creatures. And I think that that is a great starting point for asking those bigger questions of meaning, purpose, and possibility. Um, Neil, I'm gonna ask you one more question about spirit, spirituality and technology. A lot of my time during the day is spent about thinking, uh, thinking about artificial intelligence. And of course, one of the big questions in artificial intelligence is, um, what is human intelligence? Um, we define artificial intelligence usually in a relative terms to human intelligence, and yet we don't really have a good um, or a, a very precise definition of human intelligence. And so 
that leads to these more metaphysical and spiritual conversations about are humans just very advanced mechanistic robots governed by the interactions of matter and energy, right? Um, and I'm, I'm sure that's probably not your belief as, as Rabbi Neil Blumoff. And then the other view is there's something beyond the stuff, be it soul, be it whatever. Um, and so when you start to tackle that question, you start to uh, describe what you think the limits are on an, on an artificial intelligence, on something that doesn't possess that extra something. How do you view artificial intelligence? Have you thought much about it? Do you think it's possible to create something that is artificial, but it's essentially human? Or will it, is there no way to create something that has that extra stuff that makes us human, be it soul or spirit or whatever? Oh, for sure. I think that there are, I, I'm a big believer in artificial intelligence. And I think in many ways, the initiatives that we've made to keep uh, communities together are a great example of that. And, you know, I've certainly read articles where as a musician, uh, they have uh, technology and science has, has uh, helped machines create music, whether it's like akin to Bach or Mozart and to most ears, it's indistinguishable. And I think that's fascinating. It's, it might be scary, but it's also fascinating. So I think if you can apply that in certain uh, disciplines, you could apply that certainly for, um, for what would be so-called a spiritual encounter as well. And it's interesting, you know, telehealth is really interesting also. So I think the next generations of telehealth will, will also blossom into some sort of spiritual health or that kind of thing. And I think ultimately in, in our times, we'll have, you know, people joked with me and said, hey, Rabbi, it's your job is never going to be, you know, overtaken by a robot. I'm not so sure that's true. You know, and and I and I'm not. It's not good or bad, but I, what I would say is that you know, human and in, human uh, intelligence. Uh, what I would say is that we are to be. We are created in the image of the, of the ineffable, and and certainly in the stories that I revere, uh, the characters. And we can have a conversation about Luke and 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 Darth Vader and all the others. You know, my characters in my tradition are very flawed. And what's the de definition of human intelligence is trying to learn from the inevitable mistakes we make. And, you know, the, 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 the thrill of failure is only good if you can pick yourself up and say, well, what's next? And I think if we apply that to an artificial realm too, it's going to mirror our own relationships. So no, I, again, don't see a barrier between human and artificial intelligences. I see that how they can work together in a way that we can create us, that can uh, motivate us to continue to create these kinds of platforms while still not being um, uh, lackadaisical or being just uh, appreciative only of our own intelligences without us uh, continuing to perfect our own. And then the, the logical follow-up to that is, do you think such an artificial intelligence could be spiritual? I think in a certain way, in a certain ways of definition. And again, I'm not going to stand on a particular ceremony and say, I know for sure anything. You know, I think one of the greatest questions or thoughts, Jessica, you've helped me think about too, is to realize I don't know. However, I'm going to try to figure out what's going on. Or Samuel Beckett wrote in one of his, uh, one of his um, novellas, I can't go on. 
I'll go on. And that sense of unease or that sense of leaping into the unknown, that recognition of like, I don't know what's at the end of this is really an important understanding. So can artificial intelligence be spiritual? Uh, I'm gonna go with yes. Wow, I, I didn't actually expect that. So I'm really glad I asked that question. And it gives me, me a lot more to think about. Um, there is a, a wonderful book written by an Austin author, Byron Reese. Um, have you read his his latest book? I don't know the latest one, I mean, probably not. It's, it's I, I won't get the title right here off the cuff, but it's all about robots, AI and the fourth revolution or the, those words are in the title, but it's a, it's a wonderful book. And he deals with these kinds of questions in there as well. And now I'm dying to have you two in the same podcast sometime soon. So we'll have to make that work out later this season. Well, fourth- I, respect, I respect him and Byron, we've had conversations before with our mutual friend, Brett Hurt as well. And uh, I've, I've read stuff with, with, with him and I would, lo- it's on my shelf actually. I, I would like to read it, it's, it's, it's still there. And uh, I would love that actually, that would be really fun. That'd be great. I think that'd be fantastic. The fourth age, smart robots, conscious computers and the future of humanity. Uh, Neil, Jessica is the world's fastest Googler. If there was a competition, <laughs> No matter how arcane the reference or complicated the text string that had to be entered, Jessica would win. Well, it's wonderful. Great to have. <laughs> I don't feel like it's not help. Maybe it's a helpful skill. Uh, I just want to point out, and that's something you might not realize too, that I'm just appreciating about being on this podcast with you, Rabbi Blumoff, is Jay. Because I don't know that you've ever been to. Have you ever been to services at a synagogue before? No, I, I was actually hoping to this past fall because remember a year and a half yes. ago, you explained vid, Vidui, Vidui mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Facebook to your friends. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was the most marvelous thing I'd ever seen written in Facebook about any religious <laughs> symbolism ever. So I was praying you would invite me to one to this past fall. And then we had the pandemic. We had the pandemic. Well, one of the things about the way Jews pray is Jews don't, it, Jews pray with their body. They daven. And so when you're in services, you'll see Jews rocking back and forth, standing, rocking back and forth or sitting, depending on it. And so it's just bringing warmth to my heart, like being on a podcast with you, whether or not you're conscious, or maybe it's just the chair or that you're always davening. You're this, this movement is like such a Jewish prayer movement. Like all Jews recognize like it's always this little uh, back and forth rocking. So it, it just brought me so much joy over the past hour watching. And thank you for rocking back and forth and showing that to our viewers. Oh, wait, this is a podcast. That's why I, <laughs> that's, that's what I, I just prefaced with people may not, people won't see this and can take it. One out. of the greatest cultural sharings of my life was uh, when I was living in New York City, I was conducting a choir uh, that was a, a a choir of an African American Baptist choir and a, a and a and a synagogue choir, and you know we were getting into the music. It was over Thanksgiving, and uh, and we were all standing together. And Jessica, that's true. You know, sort of the Jews go this way, and I don't know if you know, but African Americans kind of go uh, sort of horizontally, <laughs> and we were all bumping into each other, and it was like the best of all possible worlds. It that's was magnificent. All right. Well, I think we should probably wrap this episode there. Um, thank you very much, Neil. Lots to think about. Um, thank you so much. I'm sure we'll come back and revisit this topic and, and maybe do podcasts with you and Byron and other folks as well. Um, I'm sure our listeners will appreciate that. And 
this just recording this gave me a lot of pleasure here on this Friday in these interesting times and 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 hope as we start this interesting and hopeful uh, 2021. Well, I look forward to it and I appreciate your generosity, Jessica and Jay. Thank you both. Uh, so good to see you, Rabbi Blumoff, and Shabbat Shalom. Thanks for listening to the Austin Forum Upload. You can listen to additional episodes and check out a schedule of our monthly in-person events at austinforum.org. The Upload is a production of the Austin Forum on Technology and Society, a nonprofit organization here in Austin, Texas.